Blog Talk Radio. Urban Flooring Radio. Simply Glory. Hello there, Urban Glory Radio listeners. This is Selena Olivia, one of the executives here at Urban Glory Campaigns. We are in for a treat tonight. We have another one of our amazing industry music and arts colleagues on the line, Miss Gaziah, the poet. How are you doing, Gaziah? I'm great. How are you? I am doing well. Elated about this week's event coming up Friday. Absolutely. And yes, uh, all the various worlds of music and arts are coming together in one place, and then also ministry. Clergy will be in the house and different business executives. So it's going to be, I, I'm I'm just elated at what is going to happen just naturally and even more so supernaturally what God will do. Because he always, yeah. when we present excellence to him, he showers his, he adds his super to our natural. So mm. we're excited. <laughs> I like so. that. I like he adds his super to our natural. I like that. <laughs> yes, that is him. He takes what we give him and he exponentially adds to everything that we do. So, And then sometimes he brings things to pass that we had, like he does exceeding abundantly of all we ask or think. We think one thing, he does beyond. My God, only you. (laughs) Only you. That's so. Well, I'm delighted to have you on uh, Urban Glory Radio. We have an amazing audience out there. We are at um, over 34,000 now, and we're grateful to God for just a short amount of time since 2007 um, that we are, have hit these types of numbers, and we're grateful for the lives and change we've received messages and all kinds of um, the inbox and our email uh, on social media that they enjoy these broadcasts. So, audience, we love you. Thank God for you. Keep contacting us, and definitely those who are in the Baltimore metropolitan area, D.C., Maryland, Virginia, if you're willing to travel from wherever you are, got to be there Friday, November the 7th. Doors open at 7 p.m. You will hear artists such as Keziah. Let's go ahead and start with your interview. Let's go ahead and get to know who you are. Who is Keziah? the poet? Who is Keziah the poet? So, um... Kaziah is a southern-bred girl um, who came up believing within herself or who had convinced herself that she didn't have a voice or the things that she had to say didn't matter. So she had a tough time expressing herself and always second-guessed the things she had to say. Um, And so I guess when all of that is built up and, and it builds up over the years and God finally provides a way to release those things in your voice, led by him, then it creates something that you wouldn't even imagine. Like sometimes I'm very, a lot of times I'm extremely surprised by the things that come out of my mouth Uh, and and surprised by the things that I write. So many poems I've looked back on on and said, I wrote that? Are you sure? (laughs) But it's, it's like it's not. Me, I feel like it's not me that's writing, but it is coming from my, you know, life experience and my personal experience. So it's just a girl who loves God, 
who loves the body, who loves people, and um, the grace of God is able to translate that and to really um, seek to, I want to see people well. Like, you know, some people want to see people happy, so they might try to give them everything that they want, or they might want to just want people to like them, so they do what people want them to do. But I want people to be well. I can't even imagine what the world would be like if everybody was healed, and not like physically, mm, right, like mental, right. emotional, and spiritual healing. I can't even imagine the type of power that we will harness if everybody was healed. But every right. most people are operating out of hurt, and most people are operating from hurt places and from broken places. And so anything that they do, in a, in a way, is broken because it's not coming from, like, a whole place. It's not coming from a healed place. So it's how they handle jobs. It's how they handle relationships. It's how they handle, you know, um, uh, relationships with other people, how they handle their kids. All that stuff comes from that broken place and that time, that instance that broke them and just left that, you know, left that wound open. And so I seek to facilitate healing in the lives of people um, and, in essence, like I want to get people thinking, and I want I want people to think deeper. I want to change people's perspectives about yeah. life, man. We got so much grace uh, that God has given us, and that's what this is what we're in—the dispensation of grace. So, so much grace and healing that God has given us, and it's available to us. But it's if we want to get it, if we have access to it, it's just—it's like having the key to the door that's in front of you, but not using the key. And so, right. I want I want to help people find the key. Like that's at the end of the day, I want to see people healed, man. I want I want people to I want people to be healed, and in that healing will come that happiness and that joy and that peace right. and the things that we've been seeking, seeking after. That, but that's not going to come until healing comes. And so that's my biggest thing. I want people to be able to heal uh, based on the, the words and uh, poems and and just anything that God gives me. That's that's awesome. That's excellent. You <laughs> you summed up not only who you are as far as artistry, but who you are as far as your heart. And it comes out, I've actually, audience I've experienced hearing her um, live twice uh, via recording a few times before. And uh, the recording does no justice to live. <laughs> it really doesn't. But she has an amazing gift very much so anointed. And throughout the church, those of us especially who have been in church for a long time, we know that um, there's been consistent conversation about the difference between people who have a gift and perfect the actual skill of that gift, and then those who have the gift, have the skill, and then there's an ability that's beyond human ability that rests on them, a grace and anointing. And it's definitely only because I and I I'm grateful to have witnessed twice live. Um, looking forward to witnessing several other times, live, <laughs> including Friday. So um, let's talk about the how the audience who are listening right now can actually. Um, well, before we go into your product, because I was going to go into your product. Before we go into your product, talk a little bit more about how you how you started doing poetry um, mm-hmm. more officially. Because I know, um, I thought as a songwriter, I started when I was young, 
writing, but officially at an older age. So when did you start focusing on actually doing it as artistry, not just something of a hobby or what have you? Well, um, I think when when kids feel like when kids feel like they don't have a voice, um, they usually find another another avenue to express themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, my avenue was writing. I always had a fascination with words and with writing and with language. Um, and I think I started not poems, but I learned to write when I was three. I learned to read and write about the same time. Wow. And it was so fascinating to me. And when I was seven, apparently I, I had, you know, I would read, a, I read a lot of books, a lot. My mother can attest to the fact she would fuss at me because books would be all over the house, books in the kitchen, <laughs> books in the bathroom, books in the dining room, books in the living room, everywhere. She said, because I, if I find one more book, I take it. <laughs> you know, I would be the kid that would, my punishment would be, you can't read no books this week. I'm like, you might as well kill me, you know, because, oh, wow. like, that's how important they were to me. And so I was that kid that was watching, I mean, we couldn't afford cable, so I was that kid who was watching Sesame Street all the time. And even after Sesame Street went off and all the little kitty shows and stuff, I would be watching Nova and Nature uh. and stuff like that, completely fascinated. And so um, apparently I had gotten... I was reading uh, there's this set of Sesame Street books that someone had given me, and in them were a lot of poems, like about different colors, about the color blue or about the number seven or whatever. And that told I'm like, words that can rhyme and this whole thing makes sense. That's amazing. And so in my head, I'm like, well, clearly that's the only way to write. So I wrote my first poem when I was seven. And... I had no idea. I had no idea. I thought I was just doing something um, mm-hmm. to write. I wrote about, you know, wrote about my little feelings and wrote about, you know, growing up in church and, and, and wearing skirts all the time. I wrote about that. Um, I wrote about the change of seasons. I wrote about just stuff that I saw, stuff that I observed, and it helped me because there was so much going on in my little world at that time. Um, you know, my parents were... Uh, my father had, had a, a massive stroke when I was seven, and my parents were really going through it uh, because they were separated, and he had to move back in because he needed someone to take care of him. And my mom, though they were separate, separated, she honors covenant. So my father moved back mm-hmm. in and took care of him, but it was obvious why they separated in the first place. So, you know, them butting heads and screaming and yelling and arguing at each other, and, and you know, I'm getting sick because of the stress. Um, and, you know, finally she said, forget it, he's well enough. And we left, and we were living with men. We were staying in hotel rooms. Uh, we were couch surfing. You know, sometimes we did not know where we were going to stay that night. Some night my mom used to work at a gas station, like the graveyard shift, so I would sleep behind the bulletproof glass with her while she's ringing up customers in the middle of the night. Wow. I didn't have anywhere else to go. And so just a lot, kind of a lot of different things going on, and my mom battling her own personal demons. And so um, 
and I didn't realize, you know, I didn't realize what type of impact that was making on me. And so, but I would write. I would keep writing. I would keep writing. I would keep writing. And I stopped when I got to high school. Things had gotten better. Um, you know, uh, we had moved and finally settled down into a place. Because between the age of like 7 and 13, we probably moved like 16, 17 times. So mm-hmm. we had finally gotten to a place where we lived and were together and you know, um, stop writing. I'm like, okay, well, everything's good, but not so. And so once I got to college, I began writing again. But this time is when I had started to really develop a relationship with God. You can grow up in church your whole life and not develop a relationship with God. And yeah. it was at this time that I started developing a relationship with God, and I began to explore that relationship. And my fervor and, like, the passion and zeal that I had was going into my writing. And so that's why my perspective started to change. And the first time I hit a mic was about nine years ago. And I thought I was just doing open mics. Oh, that's nice. Oh, that's cute. But more and more people were inviting me to their churches, inviting me to mm-hmm. this, inviting me to that. And it just grew into this thing that it is now. And it's, it amazes me. It really is. People will be like, so, man, you know, blah, blah, blah. How you, man, like, you're like a legend. And I'm like, what? Yeah. Well, how you know? I don't get that. You know, it's just it's been it's been a journey. Um, yeah, it's been a journey. Like I got hundreds of stories, but it's it's been a journey, and God has been so gracious to me. And I prayed to Him when I was ten years old. I didn't even know what I was praying for, but I said, Lord, I don't know what You're going to do with my life, but whatever You do, I want to stay humble. Yeah. God and I had conversations like that when I was 10 because I felt like he was the only one I could talk to. And that was my that was my only prayer. I said, please help me stay humble. I said, please help me stay like I am now. I want to still be nice to people, and I don't want to be mean and nasty and look down on people. Please help me stay humble. And, um, yeah, so here we are today, two albums later, finishing up a third, and and a book and a second one in the works, like and just endless. Like God is amazing, and yeah. this is Him, man. This is Him. So, at at what age was it that you, when you were talking about you experienced people really kind of flocking to, uh, wanting to hear you and inviting you? At mm-hmm. what at what age was that? Um, I was probably how old am I? I'm super young now, so that wasn't that long. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was probably twenty. When people really, really started like paying attention, I was probably like twenty five, twenty six. And then so when I moved to Maryland, man, something broke. Like yeah, it like whoosh. <laughs> Something broke, something bust wide open, and my life has not been the same since I moved to Maryland. It is yeah. not. Yeah. Um, you know, um, and I don't know all of the story personally, but the measure that I have heard, um, I know that it, in essence and in principle, God was 
was honoring the fact that you honored what he led you to do. That was a huge, and I don't even know, I've I've heard some of your stories through your poetry and then personal conversation, Um, but you you stepped out on faith. Like, talk a little bit about that, and then we'll go into uh, talking about your product and, and give contact information for our audience to get in contact with you so they can get you to their churches, their schools, their organizations. Talk a little bit about um, following God and, and minister a little bit if you so desire. Following God um, because he does honor what he says. It's just a matter of trusting. He does. Um, you know, I think a lot of times growing up, we hear the scripture that says, um, you know, God will give you the desires of your heart. You know, Jesus is on the main line, tell him what you want, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I um, I always wanted to move, like, to uh, Maryland or D.C. area. I always, always wanted to move there up since I was, oh, man, since I was, like, 16, 17 years old. I have been there for, um, they, I think they still have this conference. It was an impact conference. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was youth and young adults from around the country who would come to different areas in the country every year for annual conference, and it would be featuring, like, it's old school, well, not quote-unquote old school, but it would be featuring, like, cross movement or be featuring Lecrae or, and, you know, the whole 116, and, or it would be featuring, I don't know, like one year, the year I went, they had Fred Hammond. And, um, you know, and it's just a whole bunch of young people seeking to learn more, high school and college age, seeking to learn more about God and to draw closer to him. And this particular one was featuring Fred Hammond, and it was in D.C. And I fell in absolute love with D.C. I'm like, listen, I'm surrounded. <laughs> I'm surrounded with, like, intelligent, black, conscious people who believe in God and, and like, have yielded their lives to him. What? You know, I'm like, yeah. I want to be here. This is where I want to be. I want to be here. I said it, not realizing the power behind what I'm saying. And so I had applied to um, I had applied to uh, Howard, um, and I got accepted. And nice. I told my mom, and I'm like, I got my acceptance letter from Howard. I got my acceptance letter from Howard. I'm going to D.C. And she was like, I don't think you're ready for it. Now, <laughs> I'm like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think you're mature enough. It's a, it's a big change. You know, you got to get a different church. You got to get a different city. You don't know nobody. Blah, blah, blah. Hurt my little heart. But deep down, I still wanted to go there. I still wanted to be there. So stayed in Memphis, went to the University of Memphis, and and did all that, and I still kind of worked toward it. I feel like a little bit at a time, I still kind of worked toward it. So about three years ago, um, a friend of mine told me about an internship in Tennessee, and I was like, okay, cool. So I applied, got accepted, and she was like, once that was over, she was like, are you going to do another one? I said, if I do another internship, I'm not going to do it in Tennessee. I want to do it in Maryland or Virginia or D.C. So I started applying to different ones, I started applying, and I'm, I'm looking at them, I'm like, oh, that's a real good one, oh, that's a real good one, and so I got some interest from a couple of them, but this one in particular reached back to me, 
And they were like, we'd like to schedule you for an interview. I'm like, oh, yes, please. So we had the phone interview. We had two phone interviews, and they were extremely impressed with my resume. They were impressed with my reference letters, and they said, we'd like, mm-hmm. to, we'd like you to, to extend you an offer to come to Baltimore and serve in community. And I'm like, yes, 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 I will. And I I was so excited, not even knowing what God had in store for me, not even having if God had in store for me. That first year, that first year in Baltimore was so hard. It was so hard because it was a culture shock. It was a learning experience. It was growing up real quick, Um, (laughs) you know, and just growing pains. But seeing God all the way through it, like seeing God's grace all the way through it, and opportunities, I mean, literally, started dropping in my lap. Hey, Keziah, we want you to lead this. Hey, Keziah, we want you to be a part of this. Keziah, can you come to my church and do this? And just out of nowhere, like people who knew people who knew people who knew people who knew me. Right. Right. <laughs> Ever since then, God has had me on this this, <laughs> this smooth path, like taking me in the direction that he wants me to go and fulfilling the desires of my heart at the same time. That's why right. I believe that God plants the seed of our desires in our hearts mm-hmm. so that he can be glorified when they come to pass. Mm-hmm. Well, I believe that God plants the seeds in our heart, and he planted, man, he must have did a whole uh, farm worth of <laughs> seed planting in me. Cause right. So many things are being made manifest in my life that I can't. It's like I have to be careful what I talk about as far as how my life is going and how God is blessing me. Because it sounds like I'm bragging, but I'm not. I'm tell I'm just telling the truth of what God has done. Of what God has done, I'm just telling the truth, and that's just how He's been. That's just the doors that He's opened, and I just you know, Scripture talks about walking worthy of the vocation. I'm that's that's a part of my heart is to walk worthy. Mm-hmm. This could be going to anybody else. This could be happening for anybody else. I want to walk worthy. I don't want you to stop blessing me because I I have a flipping judgment, or I don't want you to stop offering this provision of my gifts for me because I decide "Eh, it's not all that important. I want to do this instead. Like, that's my part is to walk worthy because I know there's something something more that he wants for me, and that's, that's it, like, God has had me just, your gifts will make room for you and bring yeah. you before great men. That's right. That's right. And I, I still believe that you have not seen anything yet in, in listening to you in the direction, particularly in the last few moments of your statements. You know that this is not it. It's just a glimpse of what yes. he has in store. So I, and I say this often to people who I have come across, with and there, as many of us say, there's people that are in and out of our lives for seasons, um, 
But then there are, I believe, and for the most part this has been my story, there there are people I know when I meet them that that's it. That it's there is no 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 season. The season is the rest of my life. And yeah. when it when it comes to when it comes to um your connection to and uh, the founder of this ministry actually alluded to it in a conversation you guys um with Tavia and myself that um she's part of the family is she has such a heart you have got to come if you're in the born Mary, you've got to come and witness her she actually is going to bless us with her uh, facilitation she's going to be hosting uh so you don't you just don't want to you don't want to miss it Friday you, you just don't want to miss it. whatever you got to do Whatever you've got to do to get there, you've got to get there. But um, this is it, because I don't know if you caught on to what I said. You cannot get away from us. <laughs> you are in there, and um, hopefully that doesn't scare you. You've got to like, this is very scary. But really, I just, um, we're, the, we're the type of people that we love everybody, um, but when it comes to there being connections and actual um, walking with people, you can't walk with everybody. Can love everybody, um, but I, I will never forget when God really dealt with me concerning love and trust. There is a difference. You can love people all day, but trust in God, you can love at all times. I mean, you can have it all times. Excuse me. You can trust God anytime. He does not change. There is no shadow. Scripture says of turning with Him. But with people, you can't always trust people. Um, right. You can love them, but you can't always trust them. So you can't walk with everybody. You have such a, um, you have a great heart, not that you're flawless, not that I'm flawless, um, but this is, I'm looking forward to the great things that God is going to do. Audience, you, this is not the last time you will hear Keziah. Uh, in fact, after this interview is over, we're going to play uh, one of her poems, a track of a poem, and you definitely got to get her um, previous album, and then she recently did a live recording. Talk about that live recording real quick, and give your contact information, and we'll let the audience hear you. Absolutely. So the live recording uh, was done at Anacostia Arts Center in D.C. on October 4th. Um, it was a sold-out show. Amazing to me. That's crazy. It's called, um, the name of the EP is going to be Comfort Zone, and it's, you know, it's coming out of just that. All of us have them um, from circumstances, um, from, you know, whatever. Everybody has a comfort zone, and so I deal with a lot of things that a lot of people don't want to talk about. People don't want to talk about depression. People don't want to talk about their self-image and self-worth. People don't want to talk yeah. about health and weight problems. Uh, people don't want to talk about those, those. Um, uh, uh, I don't want to say broken, but they don't want to talk about those stressful relationships that they have either with their parents or somebody that's close to them um, or the relationship even that they have with themselves. Um, people don't want to talk about that stuff. And so I talk about it. And, you know, who else do you as a subject matter but myself? And so it, yeah. it's really me breaking out of my comfort zone, telling people my business, and I'm trying to get free. I don't know about nobody else, um, but I'm trying to get free. So that's what that's what the um, the EP is about, um, and I pray that it blesses people. I don't have a release date set for it yet. It's in, you know, um, mixing and editing now. And so mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't have a release date yet, but I'll definitely uh, keep, keep it posted as far as when it will be released. Um, as far as contacting me, um, I'm pretty easy to find online. Um, my website 